visit berkeleyfreeclinic.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. That's right, it's Mutiny Radio, and it's a November Saturday, coming at you from 21st Street, 2781 21st Street, corner of Florida, and you're right, you got labor and love, and you got Aaron T-Bone Walker, the working man's blues. Inventor of the electric guitar, so they say, T-Bone Walker. Now you know, 
in your life. You got to choose someone. Is it going to be capital? Is it going to be labor? Is it going to be the boss or your fellow worker?
Bob Dylan reminding us that you're going to have to serve somebody. Every day in your life you make choices. And ultimately, you'll serve one side or the other. You'll serve capital or you'll serve labor. You'll serve the boss or you'll serve your fellow worker. You'll serve your community or you'll serve the corporate state. Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody. Finally, we had a little rain this week. One day of rain, which only reminded us that uh, we're in the middle of a drought. His brother, Charlie Morgan. In New Zealand, I read a magazine, something nasty crossed my eye. The earth that fed me in California was turning cracked and dry. New Zealand ferns are always green, it rains more there than it should. I looked to the cloud that was raining on me and said, go where you can do some good. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. Don't want to see her die Met a guy from San Francisco In a railway ticket line He said the Grateful Dead was alive and well But the weather wasn't so fine Nobody had a garden Nothing lived but weeds The earth looked like some kind of feverish person Who'd caught a strange disease he said the reservoirs are empty, cattle dying too. Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew. And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown. That the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm in town. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. I 
I stared up to the diamond stars One cashmere night Black velvet sky and a raging river Was no other sound or sight The Big Dipper hung up above the river And I felt that it was a shame All this water here in California dry I said to the Dipper by name Reach down and kiss that raging river And fly across the sky Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California I don't want to see her die People and the animals like to gather where water flows A beer, some tea, or a water hole, it's there where something grows And remember the music water makes, the rainy pool and the circle dance the thunder of the ocean and the waterfall The laughing creek that feeds the plants Now the fields are green again Beauty has returned Tragedies continue to show What we still got to learn Can't waste away the ocean Water, air, or land If we upset this sacred ground We won't have any place to stand So reach down and kiss the raging river and fly across the sky And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California I don't want to see her spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California I don't want to see her die That was Brother Charlie Morgan, of course, an oft-played song on this show. This is Labor and Love, and it's a Saturday morning. We come in every Saturday morning and broadcast live from 10 to 12. Our podcasts are available on mutinyradio.fm slash podcasts. Search for the Labor and Love podcast or and any of the great shows that are on. I was just listening to a show called Heterotopia. I can certainly recommend that and I can recommend Stranger in a Strange Land because I know the guys who, who do the show. Come on down to Mutiny Radio where it's happening. Art is happening. We've got paintings. We've got radio shows. We've got video. <clears throat> we've got comedy. And we've got a wonderful variety of shows for you to listen to, but all on the cutting edge right up to the moment. This one, for example, is Labor and Love. And Labor and Love, we remind you that... If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And finally, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. 
This is your weekly labor magazine. We've got um, a possibility of organizing the South, rescuing the labor movement with solidarity unionism. Obama and the Democrats have rejected the Keystone Pipeline. How about that, huh? We got labor news from all over the nation and all over the world. And of course, today in labor history. So let's get on with it. Background music by Arlene. That's uh, Miles Davis, of course. Okay. Here's our national labor report. Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal because it's a job killer within that. Started over. Here we go. Workers Independent, Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. The AFL-CIO is vowing to fight the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal because it's a job killer with inadequate labor protections that gives corporations too much power over public policy. The United Steelworkers say it's a dagger twisting in the heart of American manufacturing. Global Trade Watch says now that the TPP text has been released, it's even worse than they thought. Workers fighting to raise the wage will strike in a record 270 cities coast to coast on November 10th. Fast food workers, cooks, cashiers, and other low-wage workers are vowing to take their fight for 15 to the ballot box in 2016. They say the 64 million Americans paid less than $15 an hour could comprise a powerful new voting block. A National Employment Law Project poll found 69% of unregistered voters would register if there were a candidate who supported $15 an hour and a union. Organizers say health care and child care workers will join other low-wage workers November 10th in rallies at city halls in 500 cities. Melinda Topol is a fast food worker from Kansas City, Missouri. She says actions like the massive strikes and rallies will inspire other workers to join the fight, making it even stronger. When people stand up and fight for what they believe in, it gives other people the encourage to stand up and fight for what they've believed in. They've just been scared to do it. There's power in numbers. So if we all stand together, we're going to continue to fight and we're going to grow bigger. The labor movement's drive to raise the wage for workers is especially critical for working women, especially women of color. Women fill the ranks of low-wage workers even as they are paid less across the board than men. AFL-CIO Secretary-Treasurer Liz Schuler recently spoke to the National Women's Law Center about working women's need for a voice on the job. She said asserting that voice will raise the wage for millions of women while improving working conditions for working people, but only if workers unite in solidarity and demand it. We need to join together and speak out for good wages, great benefits, fair scheduling, and equal pay at work. We need to demand paid sick leave, paid family leave, and quality child care. And these things are accessible and are available to us if we stick together. We need to make our voices heard because the status quo is not working. The Chicago Teachers Union is encouraging its members to save money to weather a possible strike. Thousands of teachers in Chicago are facing layoffs starting as early as January. The union says Mayor Rahm Emanuel's hand-picked school's CEO has plans to lay off 5,000 teachers and claims those layoffs could start in January. After Ohio and Lansing plants voted for the new four-year labor agreement between the UAW and GM, approval of the deal seems likely. Final vote results on the new labor contract at GM could be announced over the weekend. The Ohio UAW locals approved the deal by majorities of 72% and 66%. Workers' independent news provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham.
Cunningham with Workers Independent News. Um, and the movement for $15 an hour for uh, fast food and convenience workers is really picking up steam. 271 cities around the country. There will be demonstrations on November the 10th. That's Tuesday. If you happen to be out, if you happen to be one of those people, join the picket line. If you happen to be out and walking around, don't shop at those places while there's a picket line up. Support the workers. This is a struggle not just for a struggle for a decent wage, in other words, a decent life. Okay, here's Radio Labor, and they'll... Radio Labor is produced, I believe, in Australia. But theirs is a worldwide report. Here we go, Radio Labor. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, November 6th, 2015. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, 20,000 workers demonstrate in Jakarta for decent minimum wages. Unions in the UK hold nationwide rallies against a proposed anti-union trade union bill. The Global Union for Journalists wants an end to impunity when reporters are killed. The biggest public employee union in the U.S. vows to fight an attack on dues collection. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. More than 20,000 workers and their supporters demonstrated in the streets of Jakarta, Indonesia on Friday, October 30th. They were protesting a change in how the country's minimum wage is calculated. The wage will now be set by a government agency formula instead of being tied to the current cost of living. No consultation with labor unions will take place. Police attacked the peaceful demonstrators and arrested 23 people. The International Trade Union Confederation has called on the Indonesian government to immediately release the arrested demonstrators. All across the United Kingdom on Tuesday, November 2nd, thousands of unionists attended rallies and lobbied legislators. They are attempting to stop a viciously anti-union bill being pushed by the country's right-wing conservative government. The trade union bill demands that strike ballots must have at least a 50% turnout rate of the workers in a bargaining unit, which effectively counts abstentions as no votes. It allows temporary agency workers to be used as strike breakers. And it proposes hefty fines for picket captains who do not wear an official armband. The bill has been described as worse than any legislation implemented by the Thatcher regime. The rallies and lobbying campaigns against the trade union bill are being organized by the country's Trades Union Congress. The TUC represents 52 unions with more than 6 million members. Radio Labour senior correspondent Seamarie Ainsborough reports. The Trades Union Congress has been conducting an information campaign to inform the public about the consequences of the trade union bill and who it will affect. 
One of the TUC's efforts is a video showing how women will be especially targeted by the bill's provisions. The video presents a number of women who have had to go on strike to protect their wages and working conditions. Frances O'Grady is the general secretary of the TUC. She was asked why emphasis was being put on women workers. Well, it's a reflection of reality because the majority of trade union members are women now. And in terms of the government's bill, this draconian bill attacking the principle of the very right to strike, it's women who will be on the front line of that because women, as we've heard from the midwives, the firefighters and uh, cinema workers, it's very often women who are on the front line of those attacks. I think there are still these old stereotypes, including about strikes, and it's why we thought it was really important to tell the stories of why people had taken that big decision, that last resort to go on strike in the first place. You know, the midwife who just wanted her 1% that she was awarded by an independent pay review body but the government had rejected. Or those firefighters who want to keep local stations open with huge support from their local communities. Or the cinema worker fighting for a living wage. In modern Britain, this feels like a just cause. This is C. Marie Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labour. If our enemies want to fight, let me tell you something, sisters and brothers, they've got one with AFSCME. That is Lee Saunders, the president of the largest public sector union in the United States, the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, AFSCME. He was speaking at the convention of Canada's largest labor union, the Canadian Union of Public Employees, CUPE. Mr. Saunders told the 2,000 delegates that the latest fight for the existence of public employee unions is the attack on their ability to collect dues for the services they supply. The same struggle is being fought in the United Kingdom, where the right-wing conservative government is trying to cancel automatic dues checkoff in the public sector. In the U.S., the attack is taking place through the right-wing conservative courts. Mr. Saunders. The United States Supreme Court has decided that they're going to accept a case that will be heard the beginning of next year. This case is called Friedrichs versus the California Teachers Association. They want to make it about union dues, how if you don't want to be a member and you don't want to pay union dues, then you don't have to, although you receive the same level of benefits. They're trying to do that in the public sector in our country. But this case, sisters and brothers, it really isn't about union dues. This case attacks our ability to have a, a seat at the table. It attacks our ability to bargain collectively for public service workers in the United States. This case attacks our very right to exist. The International Federation of Journalists, the IFJ, has launched a global campaign to highlight violence against reporters. The campaign will run from November 2nd, the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists, to the end of the month. Over the past decade, more than 700 journalists have been killed, one every week. The IFJ is calling on the United Nations to pressure governments to end impunity by investigating and prosecuting crimes against reporters. The IFJ represents 600,000 media workers in 139 countries. Jim Bumela is the Federation's president. 
IFJ will be mobilizing all its union and their members worldwide in this global campaign against impunity, which aspires both to raise awareness among the public and to pressure law enforcement authorities to bring the, the murderers of journalists to justice. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,200 stories that our volunteers have collected since our last report. Last week, our top story section included links to news about the impending labor law reforms in Vietnam, the deaths of at least 21 workers in a factory collapse in Pakistan, and the police attack on a minimum wage demonstration in Indonesia. We also had coverage of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. In Brazil, oil workers walked to protest the selling off of state-owned assets. Greek ferry crews stayed on shore in a protest against government austerity measures. Just starting a go-slow were Zambian teachers as they backed their union's wage demands. Indian sugar workers and Nigerian judiciary employees were walking picket lines in an effort to get months of back pay owed to them. Pakistani paramedics won a partial victory and put their strike on hold for two weeks to give their employer time to meet their remaining demands, while electricity generation workers in the same country struck to protest privatization and municipal workers stopped work to press their wage demands. Workers at Turkey's largest copper mine were out over wages and workplace safety issues. In Belize, bank employees renewed a dispute over compensation for sacked co-workers. English public transport workers shut down part of London in a dispute over wages and the use of agency workers. In Egypt, textile workers ended their strike with a complete victory. And again, back in Pakistan, brick kiln workers, many of them former slaves, held a sit-in to force implementation of a wage deal. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the election of the first woman to occupy a senior national leadership position in Germany's IG Metall, a comparison of the gender pay gap in union and non-union American workplaces, and the efforts being made to increase the participation of Egyptian women in the labor force. Our health and safety newswire carried stories about the deaths from tuberculosis of Indian hospital workers, a campaign by psychologists in Canada to have workplace stress recognized for compensation purposes, and a study of the hazards faced by Chinese construction workers. Currently, Labor Start is running five online actions. All these campaigns are requested by and sponsored by unions around the world. Join us in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, that's what it is about, global solidarity. All over the world... All over the world, people are standing up for better lives. More money. In a market society, more money means a better life. Okay, people say, oh, one of the defenses of the rich is that you can't help the people down below by taking from the people up above. 
Well, that's not true. That's where they get their money from down below. By ripping off people's labor. That's where their money comes from. That's how they do it. No less uh, an authority than Bernie Madoff stated, you know, capitalism is a zero-sum game. If I get another dollar an hour, somebody else has to give up a dollar an hour. That, that owner, that manager, that corporate head has to give up that dollar. They don't want to do it. They want to take that dollar from you. And they want to take more dollars from you. And they want to take your right to be in a union. Right? They want to take away the right of the union to serve its members. Any way they can get it. Why do they hate unions so much? Because... Unions mean you have a voice in your work. You have a voice in your life. Labor is life. What we need now instead of corporate unionism is nitty-gritty unionism, solidarity unionism. We'll talk a little about that in a minute, but here's one of the most famous, famous expressions of what I just said talking about coal strike Florence Reese
Okay, we had uh, of human freedom. And it just seems that at the time, talking about 1890s, 1910s, that, that was a James Connolly freedom band, by the way. Connolly was an Irish socialist who uh, worked both in the U.S. and in Ireland, returned to Ireland and became part of the uh, Easter 1916 uprising. He's talking about human freedom. See, when we talk about the labor movement, we talk about actions at work. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about freedom on the job. We're talking about the freedom to work under conditions that are dignified, where you're treated with some respect, where you have your rights. Most of us, when we go to work, give up our civil rights on the job. Our civil rights are subservient to continuance of work, principle called continuance of work, continuance of production. This is the B and uh, this is labor and love. Let's get to some news here and some labor stories. First of all, the XL pipeline from Canada rejected by the U.S., and the BBC News says U.S. President Barack Obama has announced he is rejecting an application to build the Keystone XL pipeline from Canada. Its construction has been hotly disputed for seven years with environmentalists saying it would do irreparable damage. But the president said the pipeline has taken on an overinflated role in the climate change debate. Proposed pipeline would have run 1,179 miles, taking 800,000 barrels of oil a day from Alberta, Canada, to Steel City, Nebraska. But Obama asserted that it would not have lowered oil prices, petrol prices, would not have created long-term jobs, would not have affected, even affected energy dependence. The pipeline would not make a meaningful long-term contri contribution to our economy. Republican presidential candidates condemned the news with Jeb Bush calling it an attack on the U.S. economy. In February, the Republican-led Congress voted to begin construction immediately, but Mr. Obama vetoed the bill to await environmental reports. Well, it's not often we can really praise, I can really praise Obama, but this is one time. Obama's asserting that it's important what the pipeline is going to do to our environment. That's important. That's something to consider. Whereas his critics just want to build it. Big oil wants it, so they should get it. Can solidarity unionism save the labor movement? 
This is basically uh, a review of a book called Solidarity Unionism, Rebuilding the Labor Movement from Below. We're on the Port Side website now. And this book, a debate on how to revive the troubled U.S. labor movement, has been around for decades. Labor activists generally believe that much greater rank-and-file democracy and workplace militancy is the key to labor renewal. However, an essential perspective that is usually missing is well represented from Stotland's solidarity unionism. Lind argues for a rethinking of the assumptions of the labor movement and for a revived version of labor organizing that was more prominent in the pre <coughs> pardon me in the pre new deal era he's talking about direct action on the job instead of bureaucratic type protest or administration of bureaucratic protest uh, instead of direct action he's talking about direct action over the years, rank-and-file initiative and militancy has been weakened, such that when the employer anti-union offensive resumed in the 1970s and 80s, unions were unprepared. We're talking about solidarity unionism. Among other things, we're talking about people who know why they're in a union, who know what a union is and what it's supposed to do. We're talking about the people who actually make the union relevant and active. And that has to be spread to all union members. Let's take the attack on the teachers union that was referred to there in the uh, Win Labor Report. The attack is not if there should be a union or not, which is really where the right wing is coming from. The attack is that it's unfair to some workers that they don't get union benefits. They don't pay for union benefits. They're not part of the union, but they should get union benefits too. This is the Fredrickson case. What could combat that? Well, the same thing happened to other public sector union, SEIU, for example, and SEIU organizers went out, SEIU members went out to those people and reached out to them who were getting the benefits of union membership but not paying for it. SEIU was able to get about 90% of them to sign up, of those people to sign up and contribute to the union that they were using. So, we need to find that cause, that cause that Connolly's talking about, that cause that Florence Reese was talking about. The cause, for example, that the IWW is talking about. Today in labor history, we're going to talk about the IWW in 
Let's see. Intro to the IWW. And then um, we'll follow that up with something for Gene Debs. Today's Gene Debs. Uh, Gene Debs ran for president while he was serving time in jail for opposing World War I. And he got a million votes. Intro to the IWW. Listen to these people. People who are not making a choice between union and no. They have no choice. They have to make a union. IWW. What's your name? Sam Scarlett. What's your religion? The IWW. That ain't no religion. The only one I got. Who's your next of kin? I don't have any. Well, who's your best friend? Big Bill Haywood. He's in here with you. He's still my best friend. What's your nationality? None. Well, what country are you a citizen of? I am a citizen of industry. Where is your home? Cook County Jail. Before that, County Jail, Cleveland, Ohio. And before that, City Jail, Akron, Ohio. Look, are you a citizen? No, I'm an industrial worker of the world. They condemned the whole system of what they called dog-eat-dog, you know, this idea that everybody lived off of everybody else and mostly off the working class. Uh, when they voiced these ideas, of course, they, they, they upset people. And people were just upset with those words, IWW, was a, was, a fear, was a fear phrase for 10 or 15 years in the United States. You know, a lot of their slogans put out used to tickle me. One they used an awful lot was trust in the Lord and sleep in the street. Another one was Jesus saves the willing slaves. <laughs> I never know that yet. <laughs> We'd pass through them all over the country, little uh, little two-by-four stickers, you know, or gum on the back. You just wet them and stick them up on them. There is power, there is power in a band of working men. When they stand, when they stand hand in hand, that's a power, that's a power that must rule in every land. What industrial union grand? Gene Debs. The long-haired preachers come out every night I try to tell you what's wrong and what's right But when asked about something to eat uh, They will answer in voices so sweet You will eat, you will eat by and by In that glorious land in the sky Way up high, work and pray Live on hay when you die, that's the lie. The starvation army they play, and they shout and they clap and they pray. Uh, when they got all your coins on the drum, uh, they will tell you when you're on the bum. You will eat, you will eat by and by in that glorious land in the sky, way up high, work and pray, uh, live on hay. Holy rollers and jumpers 
they jump and they shout. I give your money to Jesus, they say, and you lead on that glorious day. Hey, you will eat, you will eat by and by in that glorious land in the sky where I work and pray I live on hay. Hey, you get by in the sky when you die. That's right, working folks of all countries unite. Side by side, we for freedom will fight. Uh, when this world and its wealth we have gained, after the grafters will sing this refrain. You and me, we fight fight. Uh, when you learn how to cook and how to fry, I chop some wood, do you good. That was Utah Phillips. And uh, what we're saying is we need some of that spirit now. We need to define unionism for ourselves, for nowadays, for the here and now and for the future. We need to get that spirit. Stop thinking of ourselves as consumers, as middle class, and start think of our, thinking of ourselves as workers. And uh, finding out about our past as workers. Realizing that all over the world, every day, every minute, workers are rising up and demanding a better life. Demanding a better life. As always, this show is dedicated to those 150 workers in the United States who died today, who will die today as a result of workplace conditions or work-related illnesses and injuries. If we look around the world, that's 3,500, you all. 20,000, 21,000 people a week who die. That's a small city who die because of work-related conditions or conditions that were caused by work. Let's see what we got next here. We got, uh, let's see, it's about the 11 o'clock hour. And... Uh, as you noted, noticed, uh, Francisco Herrera ran for mayor of San, who ran for mayor of San Francisco, a friend of this radio station and of this show, uh, and received 31 percent of the vote. In other words, he was mentioned on 31 percent of the ballots, far behind Mayor Ed Lee at 56 percent. But amazing strength in the neighborhoods. Herrera was uh, part of a ticket that was an alternative to Ed Lee and made a very strong showing. You're talking about being mentioned on one-third of all the ballots cast. And this is an election where, to the shame of San Francisco, 
29.6% of eligible voters voted. Really, San Francisco? There's a bookstore up on 24th where it says, shame on you, San Francisco. Really, San Francisco? 29.6%? Utterly amazing. Okay. I want to let you know that... uh, Leela Downs is in town. Leela Downs tonight will sing a uh, sing with the San Francisco Symphony as part of a celebration of Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. And uh, so let's play some Leela Downs now. First, we'll start out with a familiar one, La Bamba, and then La Línea. Volando 
song La Línea asked the question, what strange new eagle will be born on the border, on the frontera? What new Mexican will be born to take up the movement for social justice? La Línea.
How about this one from our favorite mayoral candidate? Pero a mí no me crean. Don't take my word for it, says Francisco. Los primeros en morir en Irak, latinos. Pero que no nos quieren aquí, dice Chihuahua. ¿Cómo está la cosa? Vamos a ver. Dicen que los gringos son unos hombres muy valientes, por eso mandan latinos primerito para el frente. Y los ricos se presentan como gente muy patriota, por eso la clase obrera está en Irak calzando botas. Pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo, ahí tienen la tele. Como testigo, pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo. Ahí tienen la tele como testigo. Por allá andan presumiendo sus aviones invisibles que sus bombas solo matan a soldados y a civiles. Ah, Chihuahua, ¿cómo está eso? Our drones are killing uh, soldiers who just turned into civilians. Han caído en edificios y uno que otro hospital. Pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo. Ahí tienen la tele como testigo. Pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo. Ahí tienen la tele. Como testigo Y cuentan que los Hussein Son unos hombres muy matones Pero como van las cosas A Bush no le llegan ni a los talones Otros dicen que la ONU Se opuso a la invasión No sabiendo esa señora Que Bush era su patrón pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo. Ahí tienen la tele como testigo. Pero a mí no me crean. Don't take lo my que word for it. There you've got the Ahí television from my witness. Como testigo. Ay, ay, ay. CNN, Fox News, Univision, todos dicen y dicen, y si lo dicen, por algo lo dicen, pero a la hora de la hora no sé ni lo que dicen, solo que otros dicen que esta guerra es ilegal, pero por nosotros ser gabachos, eso no se ve tan mal. Soy jornalero, disque ilegal, pero qué suerte la mía, si me voy para Irak, Bush me da ciudadanía. I go to fight in Iraq, they might give me my citizenship. Como testigo la 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 Vámonos Okay, so we had two by Lila Downs One the traditional La Bamba But sung just beautifully by 
Leela Downs, and then her own song La Línea, which asks, what's going to come out of all this strife at the border? A new champion will be born on the border to save the people, to free the people who are working uh, at the border. Leela Downs appearing tonight with the San Francisco Symphony. I think tickets are still available, sfsymphony.org. She was born September 9th in Oaxaca in 1968. Uh, her mother was a Mistec cabaret singer, and her father was a professor of art from Minnesota. And for a long time, Downs sort of denied her Mexican heritage. She went to the US, turned into a deadhead, dyed her hair blonde. And uh, her father died when she was 16, so she went back to Tlalexico with her mother. And uh, this is how she tells it. One day while she was working in a store in the Mixtec Mountains, a man came in to ask her to translate his son's death certificate, which was written in English. She read that her, his son had drowned trying to cross, cross the border into the United States. This deeply affected her and has continued to influence her work. So she decided to embrace her heritage and now sings in English, Spanish, Mistec, Zapotec, one of the native languages of Oaxaca. She often appears in native dress. And tonight she'll be celebrating Dia de los Muertos with the San Francisco Symphony. Michael Moore's coming out with a new movie which promises to be controversial. We're talking from the alternate website now. Controversy, though, is not what many of Moore's viewers would immediately suspect. Instead of focusing on what is wrong with our country, Moore uses the film to focus on what is right elsewhere. And instead of wallowing in fear and panic, he offers practical ideas for productive change. Given that we are in the midst of another election cycle, it's worth asking what impact it might have on voters. While it's hard to say whether it will influence voting patterns or policy stance, there's one thing for certain. It's going to piss a lot of people off. So I would say uh, that's good. That's a good sign. The movie will open in select cities on December 23rd. We'll have a wide U.S. release in January. Again, it's called Where to Invade Next by Michael Moore. And I mentioned at the top of the show how labor could win the South. This is something that has always been a difficulty. The South traditionally has been the most anti-labor area of the country, although it's not, not the only one. 
the entire country has been anti-labor. The South just carries the tradition, you know, along deeper. Tefrere Gebre, right? This is on the Portside website. Tefrere Gebre is an evangelic evangelist for labor organizing in the South. When he was 14, he fled Ethiopia, walking for weeks to a Sudanese refugee camp before arriving in L.A. as a political refugee. He got involved with labor while working as a night shift loader at UPS and became active in a variety of unions and campaigns, rising to be executive director of the Orange County Labor Federation. So, check out that port side. That's a uh, that's a guy who's who's got ideas about organizing in the South. Tefrere Gebre. Let's hear some music here. The state of Tennessee recently voted a. Uh, very restrictive abortion law and uh, it seems that the the turnout during these elections was not very good off you know an off time elections people don't People are not much interested. For example, the only election that uh, I participated in as a voter in San Mateo County was one about the community college district. Okay, you mentioned Gene Debs. Here's Ann Feeney singing about Eugene Debs. Debs said to hell with water, hell with all who crave it. When masters rule the world no more, we'll need no wars to save it. Why the ones who own the tools the wealth make the rules the planet suffers for the powerful few gene debs had a lot to say years ago true today with two million locked away what yeah. can we do there's a better world waging work to win it put an end Hunger, despair. While there is a lower class, I am in it. There's enough for everyone to have a fair share. While there is a lower class, I am in it. Where there is injustice, it is done to me.
circle spinning faster and getting larger all the time a whirlpool spell disaster for all the people who don't rhyme him who don't fit through the needles eye him who just don't understand understand on my mind But he didn't want to answer me God, the whole world must be blind Him who don't fit through the needle's eye You may someday go insane 
I would second that. Leave the hate and fear behind. That was Gil Scott Heron. The Needle's Eye from his aptly named album. The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. Before that, we had Anfini. Thing about Gene Debs. One of the stalwarts of the uh, labor movement in the early part of the 20th century, Debs was sent to jail for organizing against World War I. And uh, while he was in jail, received more than a million votes for president, Eugene Debs. Okay, here's a little story. Listen up. It's called The Two Squares. It's in a house far, far away in a room on a table. There was a chessboard. Two armies stood on the chessboard facing one another. A little girl lived in the house, and every day as she passed by, she looked at the armies and wondered why they were there. One army was black and the other was white. In each army, the soldiers stood in front at attention. Behind the soldiers were the officers who rode on horses and the bishops who blessed the armies. Tall battle towers rose up on each side. The king and queen protected by the soldiers with the officers and the bishops at their side commanded the armies. <clears throat> each day, the black army and the white army fought battles that were part of a never-ending war. Sometimes the black side won, sometimes the white side won. As soon as one war was over, another one began. When the battles were over, the kings made speeches about how glorious the war had been, how brave the soldiers were, and how the officers had brought glory upon themselves and the white nation or the black nation. The bishops blessed the soldiers who had died and blessed the king and blessed the nation. And the next day there was always another war. Black versus white. Kings and queens commanded, bishops blessed and officers gave orders. Soldiers fought and died. But somebody else was there as well. Somebody no one noticed and no one ever thought about. The squares on the chessboard. Each day the soldiers marched all over the squares and moved heavy battle towers over them and never thought about them. Each day the officers rode their horses over them and never even thought about them. The queens moved back and forth over them. The kings never traveled much, but when they did, they stepped right on squares. Their minds were on the battles and on the glory they would win if their armies were victorious. And one day something happened. Some said it was because sunlight fell on the table and enlightened the squares. Some thought that the little girl had left her toy magic wand on the table right next to the chessboard. Who knows? But on that day, the squares woke up. Two of the squares who lived right next to each other started to talk. One was black and one was white. Where are we? One square asked. 
I don't know, answered the other. Pretty soon the one said to the other, Do people and horses and castles walk and ride all over you every day? They sure do, answered the other. Aren't you getting tired of it? I am, said the other. Now, of course, all this was strictly forbidden by law. Squares were not supposed to talk to each other. They were not even supposed to talk at all. Squares were not even supposed to know they could talk. What about the other squares next to us, in front of us and behind us? Are they tired of it too? I don't know. Let's try and talk to them. The white square said to the black square in front, Hello! And the black square said to the white square behind, Hello! But no one would answer. This was because black squares did not trust white squares. And white squares did not trust black squares. The kings had very carefully placed the squares next to one another in such a way that there were black squares on every side of the white squares and white squares on every side of the black squares. They had all seen the black and white armies fighting and they thought that they were supposed to be enemies. Let's try to find out where we are, said the black square. White square answered, good idea. And so they stood up. At first it was very hard and their backs hurt because they were so used to bowing down. But finally they were able to do it. And when they stood up, something very strange happened. Pop! They were not squares anymore. They had become cubes. They looked at one another. They were much bigger. They could see all around them. They said, I didn't even know we could do this. They looked around and they were amazed at what they saw. They saw the black army on one side and the white army on the other side. And all around them there were squares just like themselves as far as they could see. Some were black and some were white. But when the soldiers saw the squares stand up, they gave alarm. Those two squares are standing up, they told the kings. Put them down, they'll interrupt the next war, the king said. And the soldiers, black and white together, jumped on the squares and beat them on their heads and forced them to bow down again. And for a long time, the squares did not talk. They were afraid. Their heads had been beaten down and they had been flattened. But once someone has learned to talk, it is hard to make them stop. Soon the two squares were talking again. They had to whisper so the soldiers wouldn't hear them. Did you see those armies? Those are the ones that are walking on our backs all the time. I know, I know, but did you see what else? No, what else was there? Squares. Did you see all the squares just like us? Must be 30 or 40 of them. The truth was that there were 64 of them, counting those two. They won't talk to us. They think we're supposed to be enemies. And this was true. Black squares would not talk to white squares, and white squares did not trust 
black squares. You're right. And they lapsed into silence. It wasn't long before the soldiers came and stood on them. The two kings, black and white, and the black and white queens, and the four officers, two black and two white, came. The four bishops, two black and two white, came and blessed the trial. Because that's what it was, a trial. I stood around on the two squares and an officer read the following paper. Square 4C, a black square, and square 4D, a white square, under arrest for talking and for standing up. Standing up? Even though they didn't say anything, the other squares had heard the word standing up and started to listen. On this board, every piece has its place and thing to do. Otherwise, we could not have our wars, said the kings together. And the bishops continued all four of them together. Every piece must follow the rules. Kings and queens rule, bishops bless. Officers ride horses and soldiers fight on foot. Squares stay flat and hold everything up on their backs. That is their job. For the good of the game, squares must stay where they are and stay flat. The war games must go on. That is what is most important. The officers looked down at the two squares from high on their horses. They said, if squares talk, they will think they're as good as us. They're going to want to talk more. They're going to want to stand up and move. So, continued the king, I have decided that the two squares, 4C and 4D, shall be erased. The two squares said nothing. They just shook and trembled. Though they did not know it, all the other squares were listening as watching and watching as well as they could. It was hard to watch when you're flat. The ones in the rows right around the trial realized they could stand up so they could see better. But when they stood up just a little, the squares behind them couldn't see, so they had to stand up a little higher. Of course, then the squares behind them stood up to be even a little higher. Meanwhile, both kings agreed and both queens agreed that the squares should be erased. The officers agreed. What would happen, they wondered, if squares started standing up and talking? And of course, the four bishops blessed it all. It was the word of God, which for some reason was usually the same as the word of the king. The 16 soldiers stood at attention, waiting for someone to tell them what to do. Get the royal eraser, the king ordered, and the soldiers had to go, turn to go and find it. But as soon as they did, they found their way blocked. The squares in the front row had stood up a little and were watching, and the soldiers tripped over them. For the first time, the kings and the queens and the officers and the bishops looked around. Standing all around them were cubes, cubes, black and white, as far as the eye could see. The bishops rubbed their eyes. The officers rode around in circles on their scared horses. 
Many squares had stood up to see what was happening. And now they were cubes. Some, some of them stood as high as the battle towers. Get down and let us pass, by order of the king, yelled the soldiers. They started to beat on the head of the cube that was in their way. The cube shrinking down flat again to be a square when suddenly, pop! Squares underneath the soldiers that were doing the beating popped up. And a couple of the squares, soldiers went tumbling off the chessboard. Pop! The kings were amazed. They looked all around at the queen's officers, battle towers, and bishops. Move out of the way, they said. You are squares. Bow down. Yes, move out of the way or you will pay, yelled the queens. Get out of the way or we'll ride you down, said the officers. In the name of God, get out of the way, yelled the bishops. Bow down as you are supposed to. But not one cube moved. That night, when the little girl came home again, she found a terrible mess. Were broken chess pieces all over the floor. She swept them up and threw them away. There were some chess pieces that were not broken, but when she looked for the chessboard to set them up again, she found instead a beautiful set of black and white building blocks. Forgetting all about the chess pieces, she began building things with the blocks. She built houses and bridges and ships and all kinds of other things. She had never had so much fun. Okay, that's the story of the two squares. We've got a little bit of time left today to sneak one in. Just this week, the state of Tennessee distinguished itself as the latest state to turn down extension of Medicare and federal aid for health, its health plan. So I picked the, the saddest song about Tennessee that I could find. Here's Bonnie Raitt and else. Nora Jones. Miss Bonnie, come on now. This is very special to have you here with me. And we're going to do one more for you. And then I may get some of these guests out here to rock a little bit with me.
Okay, this is The Beak, signing off now on Saturday morning. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never, let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Okay, call-outs to the whole fam, to my soulmate Sylvia, to my daughter Vita, Tsuni, Bita, Solina, Nepo, Malin, who'd I forget, Kiki? Maybe I guess. Okay. This is Labor and Love, and you're listening to Mutiny Radio on 2781 21st Street. Please stay tuned for Flat Back. I hope I get that right. Flat Black Plastic coming up next. And as always, let's go out with the Internationale. Played by Japanese classical guitarist Kyori Mirashi.
Food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep. Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical, free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Join us every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. for Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, bringing you the best of San Francisco's underground comedy scene here every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. It's only $2. You can bring your own beer and listen to comedy here every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m., 21st in Florida. It's mutinyradio.fm. The House of Pride radio show, LGBT radio for everyone. Funky interviews, funky beats, talking drag queens, and much, much more. It's LGBT radio for everyone. Listen live every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride radio, LGBT radio for everyone. Celebrating the considerable contributions of the LGBT community in San Francisco and beyond. Every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Listen here for hot new local beats by LGBT artists and listen to live interviews. Tune in. Turn on every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m., House of Pride Radio with drag queen personalities, Tweeka Turner and Pearl T. Are you sick of reading the news? Do you even bother to read the news anymore? Do you need someone to read it to you because it's just so disgusting and depressing? If so, then the Weekly Review is the show for you. Join Roman Reimer as Roman reads the news, whether it be LGBTQ issues, cannabis legalization, prison abolition, police brutality, or many other issues that sometimes the media just doesn't feel the need to cover. Listen in, Fridays at noon, Mutiny Radio. Roman's also joined by activists, community organizers, artists, and many other great folks working to make the world a better place. Have no fear. The news is here. And if you feel like yelling about it, well then Roman will be yelling with you. The Weekly Review, Fridays at noon, on Mutiny Radio. Hello, comrades. This is your comrade, Zach Wiseman, host of government-sponsored program, Communist Folding Chairs, mandated by the Kremlin to occur every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m., broadcast by our comrades at mutinyradio.fm. Sit, relax, 
listen to my comrades in stand-up comedy march honorably through their cold palancets, and other comrades make fun of them. Because in Mother Russia, if you can't laugh about starving for turnip and beet and attention, you are a capitalist pig, and the KB KGB will visit you shortly. Every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m. Looking to invest in the future of your community? MediaRadio.fm and the Boys and Girls Club Mission Clubhouse needs your help. Please donate to keep the Radio Classroom Institute right now alive on the air every Thursday from 4.50 to 5.50 p.m. Donations are tax deductible. Donate online at www.MediaRadio.fm or just stop by the station at 21st Street and Florida. That's 2781 21st Street and throw some cash in the big glass jar. Stop by to experience live audience friendly shows every day of the week and know that you're supporting the future of the mission by keeping free speech alive for all ages. This PSA is brought to you by your friends and community partners at MutinyRadio.fm. Hi, I'm Chuck Weiss. If you're an old baby boomer like me, pain is probably something you've learned to live with by now. Yes, there are drugs on the market that help, but they come with side effects and shouldn't be used for extended periods of time. But fortunately, there is an effective natural pain reliever available in this state, medical cannabis. Let me tell you about Alta California Botanicals. They're a manufacturer of fine cannabis tinctures. Now you can take your medication in liquid form, much more discreet than pulling out a pipe and lighting up. Alta California Botanicals People, offers five different you got flat black plastic coming at you. Specific medical this, this song there is dedicated to Stephen Wonder. For pain, one to be swallowed, of course, and a new one for external I got high last night on LSD. My mind was beautiful. I was free. Warts love my nipples because they are pink. Vomit on me, baby. A blind man's penis is a wreck because he is blind. Because he is blind. A blind man's penis is a wreck because he's blind. It's a wreck because he's blind. Let's make love under the stars. Watch for UFOs. If little baby 